What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is not going to be the typical podcast. It's just me today. Just your host, Chase Winninger, host of the Kentucky Field Podcast. I've got no Lee McClellan and no guest. Uh, I've been trying to schedule a podcast or wanting to for the past week or so, but it's just been so difficult. Everybody's been so busy. Um, and I decided, you know what, I was going coyote hunting after work today, so I thought I'll just take the, uh, I'll just take the podcast along. We'll go coyote hunting together. So right now, I'm walking towards the set I'm going to do. It's about 545. I've got half an hour of shooting light left, so at the best, I'm going to get 20 minutes out of the set, but I feel pretty good about it. And I'm sorry if I'm breathing hard, it's just so cold and i'm walking i got gear but last week i came out here and i was going to coyote hunt and i looked over while i was standing at my truck getting ready i looked over and there was a coyote in the field um stalking the cattle and i guessed it at 400 yards and had a good backstop you know good rest and but i am shooting a new gun so i guessed it at 400 yards and the coyote took off and bolted, and I decided to backtrack it. We had snow on the ground, so I basically just found its tracks and backtracked it into a den. So I feel confident that I, I might know where this coyote's at. If you ask me, more important than what sound you're running, more important than what gun you're using, more important than pretty much everything besides the wind is setting up close. These coyotes basically, I mean, say you're running a rabbit distress, you know, it has to be worth their time to go get that rabbit. And it's not just worth their time from like energy consumption, you know, are they going to burn more calories than they're going to get from that rabbit? What's the likelihood of them getting that rabbit? It's also, you know, risk of injury. Just a second. I got to cross the fence. One second. Whoa nice plank board fence here all right so it's you know is me going to the sound worth my time is it worth my energy is am i going to get injured while trying this you know the closer you get to them the more you make them want to say yes to all those um yes it is worth my time yes it's worth my energy and does the risk reward you know with injury outweigh itself yes so i've got the opportunity to set up close to this one like i said you're just gonna have to deal with me breathing hard i'm walking up a hill now and at the top of this hill is a fence line with scattered trees going down it it's there's snow on the ground probably an inch of snow you can still see the grass coming up but you know it's it looks white out here there's a good layer of snow so at the top of this snowy hill is a tree line and then down the hill on the other side of that tree line is a ditch and in that ditch are a bunch of trees that they bulldozed and pushed over into like a big 150 yard log jam and that log jam is where this coyote is 
So basically, I've got about 200 yards to walk. I'm going to be on top of this hill. I'm going to start calling within view of that log jam. I'm just trying to pull that coyote out. And I think the best way to do it is with vocals. You know, we're coming up on breeding season. It's February the 1st. They're starting to get territorial. Instead of seeing if this coyote's hungry, I'm just gonna get right in there on top of it and make it wanna fight. So I'm just gonna use vocals. And I swear I'm not that out of shape. Just constantly talking, so not breathing much. Walking up a hill, 20 degree weather. There's coyote tracks right here. I just came across this head. They aren't fresh though. They aren't from today. Look like yesterday's coyote tracks. There's two sets. Two sets. And they're both going up towards that den, which is a good sign. So here in about 45 seconds, I'm gonna have to start being quiet. I've got a perfect wind. It's a crosswind, kind of blowing diagonal. So that, you know, the coyotes are going to think that they can get me. They're going to think they can get downwind. But I'm going to have a shot opportunity before they do. Alright, I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to walk up here, set this call out. And then I'll start talking again. Right when I start calling. So we're going to fast forward right now. Alright, so I just got up here. And I'm looking at that woody troll. My call is out about 50 yards behind me, so I'm actually between my call and where I expect the coyotes to be. I didn't see anything take off, so if they were in that woody troll, they should still be in that woody troll. And like I said, I've got the perfect wind. If they come out of that thick cover and try to work downwind, you know, they're only hundred yards from being downwind but I've got a perfect shooting opportunity between where they're at and when they get downwind which is key you know if your wind's blowing right at them they're never gonna come in they're just gonna smell you and if your wind is too perfect so where they don't have any opportunity at all to come in and think they're gonna smell you they aren't gonna come in then either most of them aren't so this is just in my opinion, a perfect setup. The wind is going, it's a crosswind. It's blowing towards them, but I get a shot before they get me. That makes them want to come out. It helps everybody, it helps them want to come out, it helps me get a shot. All right, I'm gonna find my sound here. And like I said, I'm, I'm trying to tick this coyote off. I'm wanting it to think that there's somebody in its territory. So it'll want to come out here and I'll take care of business. So I'm going to start off with uh, challenge howls. And as these play, I'm going to set my gun up on the sticks. Alright. So I'm playing challenge howls right now. And that's just a sound, you know, it's like a coyote challenging 
anything really could be challenging another coyote. Could be, they do that to me when they see me, they'll do that same sound, you know, challenge me. But now that I have these, these calls going, I'm just, you know, oh, I see a coyote, coyote, coyote. It's a long shot. It's coming my way. It's coming my way. It's gonna get downwind though. It came from somewhere I wasn't expecting it. Let's see if I can get get up on the sticks here. I swear it's gonna smell me. It's probably 220 yards. It came off the opposite hillside. I don't, I don't see it right this second. Okay, there it is. Just a second. Got a fence in the way. Alright, now I've got him. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Dang. I do not think I hit it on the first shot. We'll go check. I had this fence in my way. So I was planning on shooting through a fence. And when that coyote came out, where I wasn't expecting it to, I had to try to adjust my gun. This fence was just putting leverage on me. Oh, that was quick. So I was right on top of those coyotes, or that coyote. first shot I was, you know, I had to wolf at him to get him to stop. I wolfed at him to get him to stop and uh, I just, you know, I could tell he wasn't going to stay stop long and I might have squeezed that off a little bit too quick. Let's see if he'll come back. You notice I switched to a different sound. This is a coyote distress and a lot of times they just can't, even if you've already fired a gunshot, if you switch over to this one, they'll, they'll come right back in. I let that pub distress run out for two series, so about six minutes. It's starting to get dark on me, so I'm gonna go check and see what I can find. Like I said, I'm not, not too hopeful. My first shot just wasn't steady enough. I'd have been a lot better off if I took one more second to aim, but that coyote was working. It came across from me. So basically I told you I was going to the top of a hill and I was calling a thick area, ditch. And then, so basically that's a ditch. It goes back uphill on the other side. Second, I gotta cross a gate. It goes back uphill on the other side and there's woods over there. And as soon as I hit that challenge hill, I mean, it didn't take any time at all. That coyote was in the field, um, about 250 yards away on the other side of some trees, which tells me that, I mean, I did everything right as far as my setup goes. I got close, um, I used something that made sense for what I was trying to do, those challenge house, you know. I got in their territory, did my challenge house. All that was good. The coyote was working from my right to my left. There's a set of tracks right there. It was working from my right to my left, not coming directly towards me. It was trying to circle downwind so it could smell. And uh, it, you know, I, I had these trees in between me and it that are coming out of that ditch that I was trying to call them out of. And so, there was a gap in the trees, and when that coyote got to that gap, I, I just wolfed at him, you know, woof, woof, 
or gave him, I don't even know what sound I made, but I did some kind of sound and uh, to try to get his attention and get him to stop. And he did in that opening. Before that, I was struggling with the fence, trying to get my gun, you know, because I was set up on that ditch thinking it was going to come from there. When it came from the opposite side, I had to make an adjustment and I was sitting right up against a wire fence and I was trying to get my gun clear of the woven wire so I could get a shot and I was a little bit hung up on it and uh, I mean the shot felt good enough for me to pull it off but looking back you know you get excited and looking back it was not the best shot I could have made and he took off running for those woods and I sent one more at him right before he went over the fence as a stone wall fence he jumped it and I don't know how I feel about that shot but as you can hear I'm walking up this hill right now to see what it looks like. See if I might have gotten lucky. All right, so that was uh, yesterday afternoon. It's Tuesday morning now. I'm sitting in the office still by myself, but uh, you just heard I, I intended to do a podcast from the field. That's kind of what I was going for there. I apologize for the heavy breathing, but um, man, walking up those hills with all that gear on, you know, it's a little bit embarrassing going back and listening to it. And you know, it's a little bit embarrassing that I missed too, but. That's just part of a part of it. If you uh, you talk to somebody who says they've never missed a coyote, then that's just somebody who hasn't who hasn't shot at a lot of coyotes. It's just part of it. Unfortunately, um, looking back at my setup, you know, I probably should have been more prepared to make an adjustment with that fence there um, than I was. I knew that I was within sight of where I thought the coyotes were going to be. So when I got up there to the top of the hill, I just wanted to to get down and get in position and go ahead and start calling. I I didn't think through, you know, what if the coyote came out in a different area? What if I had to get a shot in a different area than I was expecting? I didn't think through that as much as I probably should have, and that's probably what cost me uh, that coyote yesterday. But, you know, I intended for that set to take much longer than it did. The coyote came out at like the 30-second mark, which, you know, when you get on top of them and, you, and you're close like that, that can happen. But I had a lot more bullet points, a lot more things I was wanting to talk about during the set that I didn't get to uh didn't get to cover so I did cover as I'm going down my list here getting close how important how important getting close is I uh, covered playing the wind which you know I had that crosswind yesterday so basically if you're thinking my setup if you're if you're sitting at the goal post at the end of a football field and I'm expecting that coyote to show up at the opposite goal post across from me yeah, I don't want the wind necessarily coming towards me from that coyote. I want it going either directly side to side so that it thinks, you know, it has a chance. Or I, Yesterday, the situation was that it was blowing diagonal. So basically, from the corner of my end zone to the opposite corner of that coyote's end zone. So I would see it appear from that goalpost, and as it was working its way, you know, towards where my wind was heading, you know, towards its corner of the end zone, I was just hoping to get a shot. Um, and that little, and that little amount of time and it honestly that worked out pretty well too so I was happy with how I got close I was happy with how I played the wind my next thing was appropriate sounds you know everybody watches coyote hunting on tv or they see it or they they hear about it and they just think rabbit distress rabbit distress and that can work I mean rabbits are definitely a big part of their diet so rabbit distress certainly can work but it's not always the best thing you can play and the way I look at it, and I'm no expert coyote hunter, let me like preface all this. I know a dozen guys, um, personally, that I think are better coyote hunters than I am. But I do talk to all of them, and I do have their input, and you know, I'll reference a couple of things they say when I'm going through this. But basically, the three ways I go about calling them in is I try to appeal to either 
their hunger. So a food sound, which is going to be something like a rabbit distress, a squirrel distress, a woodpecker distress, a mouse squeaks, just something that's a prey distress, something they're going to want to come eat. And honestly, the appropriate prey distress probably depends on where you're at. If you're hunting a block of woods that doesn't really have a lot of rabbits in it, but it's loaded with squirrels, you know, they're probably going to be more likely to come into a squirrel distress because that's their food source. It's kind of like matching the hatch when you're fishing. You want to match what they're eating naturally on their own. That gives you the best chance of getting a bite. And it's the same thing with coyote hunting. If their diet in that area consists of squirrels, not rabbits, you'd be better suited running a squirrel sound. So just think about that a little bit, the terrain, what they're probably actually eating in that area. So food is one. The second one is the one I did yesterday. That's territory. So, you know, those coyotes kind of have their home range, kind of have their area that they're territorial of, just like, you know, a dog or a wolf or any other canine, they're going to mark their territory and they're going to be a little bit defensive of it. So yesterday, my game plan was to go in there and make them think that they had another coyote in their territory, you know, challenging them. And that, in my opinion, was going to make them want to come out and defend their territory, which is exactly what happened. So that worked out well. And if that set would have continued, I would have started with those challenge howls, then I probably would have rolled into howls and barks, which makes it, you know, it's just a, a variation of the challenge howl. It's still challenging, it's still aggressive, but it just sounds different. It's a longer, more drawn-out call. And then after that, I probably would have transitioned into coyote distress, just to make them think a fight was going on, make them think there was some action happening, really pique their curiosity, make them want to come out and see what was going on, if not, you know, take part in it themselves. So that was the plan there. That worked. The third one, so food, territory, the third one is mating. And that's what we're coming up on right now. You know, February and March is peak breeding season for coyotes. And during that time, I'll I'll run female invitation house, female whimpers, things like that, trying to lure a male in. Or when you do that, you'll also trigger the territorial instinct in those other female coyotes in the area. So they're, they're going to hear that female invitation house, think there's another female coyote in the area who, you know, might be setting up camp, might be taking the males, might be breeding and, and creating their own genetic line in that area. And that's not what the female's going to want. So she might still get territorial to that. The males might come in looking for, you know, it's mating season. So I wanted to cover, like I said, getting close, playing the wind, appropriate sounds. That's what we just hit on. A couple of the other ones. And these are basically questions you see on coyote hunting forums and on Facebook groups, uh, Coyote Hunting Kentucky. These are the questions I see the newer people asking what's the best gun to use? That's probably the most common question. And honestly, in my opinion, that's one of the least important things. I mean, literally a shotgun to your beater deer rifle to an AR-15 to a precision-made long-range rifle. I mean, you can do it with any of them. And which one is best really just depends on your situation, where you're hunting. I recently switched guns myself. I had a 22-250 that was set up for long-range hunting, and I absolutely loved it. I'd had it for six years, and I'd taken 31 coyotes with it. And out of those 31 coyotes that I took with it, two of them were over 350-yard shots, so only two. And I would bet that 20 probably came within 175 or 150 yards. I mean, I had them as close as 15, 20 yards. So I learned that, you know, over those six years of using that rifle, that reaching out and touching them, you know, having the ability to shoot at a long distance wasn't the most important thing to me because all my shots were coming at a pretty close range. So I switched to a rifle that was more suitable for that setup, which is my style of hunting. 
if you're hunting wide open fields, say Western Kentucky, something like that, it might make sense to have a precision rifle, 22 Creedmoor, 22-250. Uh, those calibers are probably the best in my opinion. If you're hunting around here, like the bluegrass area, it's not going to hurt you to have one of those rifles, but you might be better suited with something that's a little bit easier to, to pack around, easier to carry, easier to shoot, that lets you get more shots off quickly and isn't built for those long-range situations because, you know, I'll be honest with you, around here in, in eastern Kentucky, you don't get a whole lot of shots over 250, 300 yards anyway. And most, most rifles can handle that these days. And then uh, third would be what if you're hunting, you know, in tight, in the timber. Those coyotes sometimes, they'll come running in right on top of you, 15, 20 yards. Honestly, if you don't have a chance to shoot more than 40, you're you're putting yourself at a disadvantage if you don't take a shotgun. Coyotes aren't likely to come in and stop for you. A lot of times they're moving shots, and moving shots at close targets with a rifle can be some of the most challenging shots. Uh, you know, I've missed several of those shots myself here recently. And a shotgun in that tight timber might be your best bet. So I think it's a least important question because, honestly, you can, you can get it done with anything. The gun is not usually going to hinder you unless you're in one of those tight wood situations, and then it'll probably pay to have a shotgun. I do think the best caliber is 22250. I just think it's ballistically best suited for coyote-sized game. It just seems to work extremely well. The other question people ask is uh, what to call. So they'll post a picture of their property and say, well, how should I call this? And, you know, I do this too. I'm guilty. It's real easy to look at the map and see a big chunk of woods, just a big block of woods, and, and think to yourself, man, I know there's coyotes in there. And chances are you're probably right. There probably are coyotes in there. But the most productive things that you can call, in my opinion, are those little ditches and little draws and, you know, the areas where you can pinpoint where the coyote is going to be much easier. If you've got a 200-yard woody draw and you call it, you know where that coyote is going to be. You know where it's coming from. And you can set up yourself, you know, with the wind to call that much more effectively than you can a huge block of woods. I still call the blocks of woods, but I do think that those uh, little draws and fingers and things like that have probably produced the highest, you know, success rate. Hot spots would be fresh cut hay fields. You know, you're going to have mice, rabbits, all kinds of things in there that are vulnerable or already dead. They're just going to be out there basically scavenging those fields. So fresh cut hay fields, uh, fresh combine crop fields. So if you got a freshly combined corn field or soybean field, that's another one of those easy opportunities for a coyote to come find a meal. And if you talk to a farmer, a lot of times they'll tell you they see coyotes chase, like just following behind the combine, following behind it, looking to pick up whatever the combine gives them. So the day or two days, three days after they cut a hay field or a corn or soybean or wheat field, those are really good opportunities. Carcass sites, obviously. If you, uh, you know, harvested a deer back in gun season, you know, and you know where that deer carcass is in the woods, you can go out there a day or two afterwards and probably have pretty good luck. This time of year, we also have cattle giving birth. And those coyotes, you know, in my experience, tend to hang out around those uh, feedlots or, or wherever those coyotes are given or wherever the cattle are given birth. They'll go in there, if not going for the calf themselves, going for the, the afterbirth or just another easy meal, whatever they can find. And I already covered woods versus draws. So easy to look at a big chunk of woods and get distracted. That's true. But it still works. Like I said, you call what you what you have, but don't overlook those little spots. One of the best coyote hunters I know is a guy named Gage Bahannon. If you're in a car with him driving down the road, he'll look over at a big wide open field with a big huge block of woods border. And I mean, you can talk hundred something acres of woods. And he'll look at the little grown up ditch in the middle of the field. And he'll say, well, I, I bet there's a coyote in there. 
and when you go hunting with him, which I really haven't done, but a bunch of my friends have, when you he hunts, you know, he sets up on those small, tight spots, and he kills coyotes at as high a success rate as anybody I know that's hitting the woods. And it's because of how he sets up and how he calls. He gets close, he plays the wind, and he hunts those areas that if there's a coyote in there, he's going to see it, he's going to get a shot at it. He doesn't hunt those big blocks of woods and just randomly hope something's going to come out. He's hunting a specific spot and getting close and doing all those things right I talked about earlier. The last thing that I want to cover, and I know this is a little bit different podcast, and I'm not sure how it's going to come across, honestly, but like I said, we've all been extremely busy, and getting a Lee or a guest lined up has been challenging, but I wanted to put this out there, especially because I've been doing some nighttime coyote hunting with a rifle lately. That's a brand new season that just opened up. We talked about it, you know, here recently. And I was just going to talk about some of the things I've learned so far. You know, you got to live and learn, kind of make some mistakes and figure it out. That's how I go about doing it. So I was going to talk about some of the things that I've learned so far. And first, I probably need to tell you about, you know, the equipment I'm using. So I do have a night vision attachment for my rifle. So I have a night vision scope and I also have a spotlight. And with those two different methods, I honestly think that the spotlight might be better for for what I'm doing. It's it's incredibly hard to scan a field if all you have is a night vision scope. You're con- you have to be looking through the scope and scanning left and right constantly and hoping you don't miss something. Whereas if you have a spotlight, you can just quickly, you know, pop it up and do a quick scan. But holding that rifle and constantly scanning for 25 30 minutes thinking you might be missing something it's challenging, it's frustrating, and if you're going to use a night vision scope, basically, I think you need a scanner to go with it. You know, a night vision scanner, like almost like a monocular or binocular, thermal or night vision scanner, just to let yourself scan the field and find the coyotes coming to you, then you can get behind the scope and use it to take the shot. But scanning and finding the game at night is the hardest part. And I just think a spotlight is much easier than a night vision scope. A night vision scope coupled with a scanner would probably be the way to go. But um, one of my buddies, he's actually a coworker here in the office, Jameson. He's one of our producers. He loves night hunting coyotes as well. And um, he's probably better at it than I am. He has more success, so I guess I'll just say he's better at it than I am. But he targets those bright nights. So this past Thursday, we had the first full moon of 2021. He took off work, he went down there, and he set aside those full moon nights, those clear full moon nights with snow on the ground to coyote hunt. And he basically, you know, he uses his eyes. He doesn't coyote hunt at night unless he can see them with his bare eyes coming into the field. He shot a coyote on Friday night, and he told me he he was watching it come in. You know, no lights, no night vision, no nothing. He could just see it coming across the snow because the moon was so bright. He said he was already pulled up and aiming on it, kicked the light on for one second just to double check his uh his point of aim and made the shot but he probably didn't even need a, a light he hunts where he has the biggest advantage where he doesn't have to rely on his equipment he can just use his eyes now i think that's a really good way to go about it so i would encourage anybody who has a place to go coyote hunting there's public land too but you do want to check the uh regs on public land just to make sure they're open for coyote hunting there are a couple wmas that are not and those are usually wmas that are specifically set aside for you know running bird dogs or dog competition dog training in some way shape or form where they just don't feel that safe with coyote hunting going on but check your uh check your eggs on public land you can be extremely successful on public land in fact public land has produced some of the best coyote hunts and predator hunts in general that i've ever been on so i've got buddies and myself that take trips to public land in different parts of the state each year just to call predators you know there's perception about public land hunting that it's just not that good or it's overcrowded that's not the case especially when it comes to predator hunting i mean 
there are coyotes everywhere on public land just like there are private land and they are you know susceptible to calling in almost the same way so get out there and give it a try and let me know what you'd like to hear on our upcoming podcast shoot me any uh any questions you have you can just do that you know the kentucky field instagram or facebook or my personal accounts you know i'd be happy to hear it and hopefully we can turn something around here soon with a guest there is a lot of fun stuff coming up a lot of exciting stuff that's why everybody's working so hard and we have a couple segments coming up on the show in the next week or two that i'm pretty excited about uh one being a ride-along segment with some conservation officers that i uh, filmed and produced that's coming up i think next week the 13th so um we'll probably talk about that a little bit and preview it next week but i appreciate you tuning in uh sorry about the heavy breathing again but i'm telling you i was walking up some steep hills it was cold outside i had gear on i was trying to constantly talk and constantly talking can just take your breath away from you in itself. So, you know, I don't feel too bad about myself. And I did, you know, breathe heavy into the microphone for 30 minutes or then I missed a shot on a coyote. It feels embarrassing, but, you know, hopefully you don't take it that way. Appreciate you guys tuning in. See ya.